but I'm just a rock chick. I would describe my music and my sound as Avril The best damn thing. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of the Best Jam Avril Lavigne podcast, a facts and trivia-based podcast about Canadian pop singer Avril Lavigne. I'm your host, Andrea DeFrancesco. In this edition of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast, we're going to discuss Avril's summer tour with Machine Gun Kelly, the mainstream sellout tour. We'll also discuss some recent events that have happened since the last episode. As always, we'll start with some facts and trivia about the tour. While the tour began on June 8, 2022, Avril did not join until June 17th at the show at State Farm Arena in Atlanta, Georgia. Her main run concluded on July 28th at the Excel Energy Center in St. Paul, Minnesota, followed by a one-off show on August 13th at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland, Ohio. This is Avril's second tour as an opening act, the first being an opener for Backstreet Boys on their In a World Like This tour in 2014. Avril's setlist consisted of eight songs, Girlfriend, Bite Me, What the Hell, Here's to Never Growing Up, Complicated, Love It When You Hate Me, Skater Boy, and I'm With You. Beginning with the show on July 5th in Syracuse, New York, she then switched out Here's to Never Growing Up for My Happy Ending on the same striped guitar she used for the Bite Me tour. She then came back to the stage during MGK set to perform Boys Lie. They did a call-and-response game with the crowd during the bridge for the Wow Wow Wire hook. However, they did not perform it during the first night. Footage from the performances as well as backstage from the tour were compiled into a music video for Boys Lie, directed by Nathan James, which was released on August 26th. On July 11th, she posted a TikTok with Machine Gun Kelly singing and dancing to Boys Lie, which was filmed outside of their tour buses. For the show in Los Angeles, on July 13th, she performed Love It When You Hate Me with Black Bear. Her friends and pro wrestlers Mike the Miz Mizanin and his wife Maurice were in attendance, along with their son River, who met Avril after the show. For the show on July 28th, Avril joined MGK on stage to sing his song A while lighting a giant blunt. They also had a tailgate party prior to the show since it was Avril's last date with the tour apart from the show on August 13th. Avril used the same orange microphone and orange and black mic stand from the Bite Me tour. Her outfits were all custom designed by Astra Michael, including more skirts, black and orange bondage pants, and all black bondage pants. She also had a pink studded motorcycle jacket and pink and white plaid skirt. Orange and black streamers were launched into the air at the end of Skater Boy. Avril's name and album logo appeared on a curtain behind her during the performance and they incorporated the same black balloons on stage as the Bite Me tour. At one of the shows, Avril accidentally banged her microphone into her mouth, causing her lip to bleed. She also accidentally cut her hand on the spikes on her microphone stand. At the show in Detroit on July 3rd, the lift began lowering Avril and MGK underneath the stage during Boys Lie before they had finished the song. They continued singing while underneath the stage. One day prior to the final show on August 13th, Avril and MGK visited 27 Club Coffee in Columbus, Ohio and performed a DJ set, including A, Grow by Willow, and Skater Boy. After the final show, they went to FWD Day and Night Club and performed Skater Boy and Boys Lie together. Out of available box office data, the biggest crowd Avril played for was a sold-out crowd of 42,086 people at First Energy Stadium in Cleveland. The smallest crowd that Avril played was 7,953 people at the Legacy Arena at BJCC in Birmingham, Alabama. The highest-grossing show out of available data was in Cleveland, which grossed $3,119,581. The lowest-grossing show was at the Spokane Arena in Spokane, Washington, which grossed $478,085. Other opening acts included Ian Dior, Black Bear, Willow, and Travis Barker. A Bite Me Tour t-shirt was sold on Avril's website with the U.S. summer tour dates on the back, despite the fact the Bite Me Tour was exclusive to Canada and the U.S. dates were actually part of the mainstream sellout tour. Merch included a Love Sucks heart-shaped glow stick, t-shirts, sticker pack, and tote bag. 
So that's pretty much it for the facts and trivia about the tour. Not a heck of a lot to say about the tour since she was just an opening act and it was a very short summer tour. That being said, the tour looked really fun. I personally did not go. I did think about going, but they didn't come anywhere near me. I would have had to travel out of state to go. And I think tickets were really hard to get because all of the shows were taking place in arenas and stadiums and stuff. And so trying to get tickets, I think if I was going to go, I would have had to go to Madison Square Garden, which is quite a haul to get to and very difficult, I think, to kind of navigate like you know parking wise and all that and it would have just been like a really really big venue to try to enjoy a show in to me like big venues I think would kind of like freak me out a little bit and I think I would have been kind of overwhelmed and also I'm not really a fan of MGK so I would have just been going just to see her set and to me it's not worth the money and traveling and going all that way just to see her as an opening act I'm sure that it would have been fun and it would have been a good show One of the things that MGK did that I think was really cool is that at the start of his set, he comes in flying on like a helicopter into the arena, which is really, really cool. And I'm sure looks super amazing in person. But just to me, like as far as the fact that I'm not a fan of his and I would have just been going just to see Avril to me, like between the money and the traveling and all that just wouldn't have really been worth it, honestly, just to see her play like eight songs. However, I am glad that we got to see a lot of the footage and stuff from the tour in the Boys Lie music video. And I think that you can really tell, like I think I've mentioned this before in the last couple of episodes about this, but you can tell that Avril had a lot of fun on that tour and that she was just like hanging out with her friends and that she, as she described, it's like summer camp. And so I like that we have the Boys Lie music video to kind of commemorate that. And I think that it's a really cool thing for her to have too, to like capture all those memories. I also think in general, they just seem like they're really good friends. Like, it's funny because I think Avril actually has known MGK for longer than we think. I seem to remember that she knew him from quite a while ago, like maybe maybe back in like late 2019, like far before she ever started working with John Feldman and Mod Sun. What's interesting is that Mod Sun is friends with MGK, and that's kind of how Avril came to know Mod Sun. So it's very interesting the way that that worked. I think a lot of people might think it's actually backwards that because him and Mod are friends, that that's how she began working with MGK. But Avril and MGK actually started working together long before Mod Sun was ever like in the picture, really. I think that Travis Clark from We the Kings was the one who introduced Avril to MGK. They started working on some songs together, I think. I could be wrong on that. I could be misremembering. But I think before the pandemic happened, I think that Avril was kind of teaming up with MGK or she was like seen in the studio with him or seen at a concert with him or something like that. And I think she follows him on Instagram or something. And that was how she saw the video where MGK like punched out Mod Sun's windshield or something. And Avril thought it was really funny. And that's how she started talking to Mod Sun. So it's just kind of funny how MGK played such a pivotal part in kind of how everything that's happened with Avril since then, like between Love Sucks and Mod Sun and all of that, how he actually became pretty important to all of that. And it's clear that Avril really considers him a close friend of hers. And you can tell that they just love hanging out with each other. As far as Avril being an opening act, I know that a lot of fans were disappointed that for the U.S. tour that she was just going to be an opening act. And to be honest, I was a little disappointed because obviously I would rather have seen her on a solo tour throughout the U.S. And I know that people hate it when Avril is an opening act because at this level, she really like shouldn't be an opening act at this point. That's usually more reserved for newer artists and up and coming artists. And obviously she's 20 years into her career. There's no reason why she should really be an opening act at this point. But I do understand the reasoning behind it because, frankly, her sales in the U.S. just aren't what they used to be. Like, 
you know, 10 to 15 years ago, back during like her first few albums, she was able to pull in like arena sized audiences. But unfortunately, ever since the Goodbye Lullaby era, so within the last like decade, she hasn't really been able to pull in arena sized audiences in the US anymore. And I can't really explain why that is. I think maybe I don't know if it's just US audiences are more fickle and they kind of move on more quickly or like her singles and her albums didn't really perform here as well from the Goodbye Lullaby era onward. She didn't have like a super big hit here that was kind of on the level of her first three albums. So I think just between like declining sales, declining interest in the US, unfortunately, she just hasn't been able to like return to big tours here. She did do the Head Above Water tour here before the pandemic happened. That was a theater tour that could seat like a few thousand people. So I do think the decision for her to hop on this MGK tour was a very deliberate, very carefully thought out decision. I don't think it's just something that she was like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. I think that she carefully thought about and like weighed her options where she could have done a solo tour throughout the US, but it would have been very small, would have taken place most likely in theaters, or she could do an arena tour with somebody who is a very close friend of hers. And also because he is like kind of more of a modern, like a modern day pop punk artist who's like seeing current success, he can kind of introduce her to audiences that might not know her or younger audiences. And so there are some benefits to her being an opening act where she is getting exposed to audiences who may normally not have gone out to see her and she gets to play in much bigger venues that she unfortunately cannot just pull in on her own. And especially a stadium, like I don't think she's played stadiums terribly often. I think anytime she's played a stadium, it's probably been because it was some kind of like multi-artist performance type of thing, like a festival. So it's been very rare that she's been able to play stadiums. And so I have to imagine like there was just no way that she was going to pass up this opportunity going out on a summer tour with one of her best friends and not just MGK, like a lot of the other opening acts like Ian Dior and Black Bear and Willow and Travis Barker, like that whole group, they're all kind of like friends with each other and all in the same circle. So it was kind of like a no brainer that she was going to do that, especially if it meant that she was going to get to play big venues as well. So I know that a lot of fans were not super happy about the fact that she was just an opening act this time, but I think the decision made sense. I do hope that now that she has done this, I do hope that sometime in the future that she will come back to the US for a more proper like solo tour, even if it means playing in smaller venues, because I would just personally really love to get to see her again on a solo tour in like a much smaller, more intimate venue. That's, you know, a closer drive for me. So that's really all I have to say about the mainstream sellout tour. I just wanted to make sure that we covered it here, even if there isn't too much to say about it. I do think that there were a couple of interesting facts to share about it, though, like when she said that she had accidentally like hit herself in the face with her microphone and got all scratched up from her mic stand and stuff. And like when um, she and MGK were singing and the stage like lowered them before they were supposed to, like just funny little things like that that happened, I think are always really fun and interesting to share. So now let's discuss some of the latest news that's happened with Avril since the previous episode. On September 2nd, Avril recorded a one-take acoustic version of Complicated for the YouTube channel The First Take. On September 14th, the channel released another one-take acoustic performance for Bite Me. On September 2nd, alternative artist Youngblood discussed an unreleased collaboration with Avril, possibly indicating it will be released soon. Avril also posted an Instagram story showing a plaque she received for her 20th anniversary in music, commemorating all of her album and single sales certifications. On September 3rd, the previously leaked snippet of the Love Sucks outtake, Shut Up, leaked in full. On September 5th, Avril began the South American League of the Love Sucks tour in Peru. On September 7th, prior to the show in Brazil, Avril asked fans on social media what songs they wanted to hear after Brazilian fans organized a campaign to get Avalanche charting on iTunes Brazil. Avril then performed Avalanche for the first time live without a prior rehearsal. She was also heard rehearsing Nobody's Home, but did not perform it. 
On September 9th, Avril performed at Rock in Rio in Brazil on the Sunset Stage in front of 100,000 people. Her set was live-streamed, which included her hit singles, plus a surprise performance of Avalanche. A few days later, the performance of Girlfriend was uploaded to her YouTube channel. An electric guitar signed by Avril was also put up for auction by the NGO Action of Citizenship to help fight hunger in Brazil. On September 9th, a photographer named Klein Mayo of Luca Motion Pictures launched a pre-order listing for a limited edition coffee table book of rare photos of Avril from the Let Go era titled Avril Lavigne, The Lost Negatives, Circa 2002, Volume 1, The Rise. Only 5,000 numbered copies are available, with two more volumes scheduled for publication. Photos include the shooting of the complicated and mobile music videos plus backstage moments. Klein shot photos for the Let Go album as well as documentary footage used in the ABC Family documentary Anything But Ordinary. On her website, Klein states, I saw the magic in Avril before the world did. I knew she would be important to pop culture. I was always armed with my camera, hunting for the intimate, raw moment that fans really want to see. We were both new to the industry. We didn't follow any rules. Authentic art was created. Now with the 20th anniversary of Let Go upon us, this is the time to share my unreleased work with her fans and the stories behind the lost negatives circa 2002, end quote. Additionally, the website lists an unveiling for an Avril Lavigne portrait that will be auctioned off for charity, with net proceeds going to Avril's foundation to support those living with Lyme disease. The unveiling will be held on October 9th in New York City. It is currently unknown if Avril will be in attendance. On September 13th, Avril's performance at the ACM Honors aired, where she sang No One Needs to Know by Shania Twain. She also presented Shania with the ACM Poets Award. The same day, John Feldman posted an Instagram story of himself receiving a plaque for Bite Me, which was certified gold in Canada for sales of 40,000 units. A couple days later, he posted another story of Avril in his studio with the plaque. And then this is just a last little interesting tidbit I thought I would share that is kind of Avril-related. On September 14th, the podcast Office Ladies discussed the U.S. Office episode Sex Ed, which mentions Avril as a reference to the proactive skincare campaign she did when the episode originally aired. Host Jenna Fisher also participated in the campaign and revealed that it was a requirement for every participant to actually use the product. She also revealed that they were allowed to write their own testimonies and were also required to provide before and after pictures to show they had acne. So that was just a little interesting tidbit I thought I would share because I've always kind of been curious about the proactive campaign that Avril did that was about 2010, 2011, I think. And I always wondered if Avril actually used the product. And so Jenna Fisher, who was also part of that campaign, basically confirmed in order to be part of it, you had to have actually used it. And I also think it's cool that she said they were able to write their own testimony. So that definitely makes sense why Avril decided to go for that campaign because it seems a little bit more authentic and something that Avril would have been down to do, the fact that she actually uses the product and that she was able to write her own testimony instead of having them like script something for her. So I'm just going to share a few of my thoughts on these things that I just mentioned, starting with the leaked track of Shut Up. So I think what happened was I released the last episode that I put out. I think I had said that up until then, we only had a snippet of the song. And then, of course, like right after I released that episode, we got the full track. So now we do have the full song of Shut Up, along with a bunch of the others that I mentioned in previous episodes. So my thoughts on Shut Up, I really like the verses a lot. I like the melody and I really like the line, you're like a vampire the way you suck my energy. I thought that was kind of funny. I think that she used a lot of kind of clever metaphors or similes in the lyrics. However, I think that the chorus could have been stronger. I think the chorus is just kind of okay, but I feel like it just could have been better. And that could be a possible reason why I didn't make the album, just because it's just kind of an okay song. To me, it's not like a standout track, especially when you compare it to the other tracks that have leaked or the other songs that actually made the album. I think it's just kind of not on par with the rest of them. 
I also think that a lot of people have pointed out that it's a little too similar to a song of the same name by Simple Plan. And the chorus is also kind of similar to I Do Not Hook Up by Kelly Clarkson. And so because it was a little bit too melodically similar to some other songs, that could be why they decided to cut it from the album just so that they wouldn't get hit with like copyright lawsuits or something. So I would say if I had to rank it amongst the leaked tracks that we have so far, I think it's more towards the bottom for me, but I don't hate it. It's just to me, it's just not like one of the better ones, I guess. Do I think it's going to be on the deluxe album? Probably not. I would be kind of surprised if it was, and I don't think it's going to be on the next album either, so I'd be surprised if this one ever got released officially. The next thing I want to talk about is the Lost Negatives. So this was a thing that was announced very quietly. Like the only reason why I saw this is because somebody on Avril Band-Aids posted about it because the photographer that posted about it doesn't have a lot of followers on social media. So she might have like just made an account or something. So at first I was very skeptical about this project. I wasn't even sure if it was a real thing at first or if it was somebody kind of like trying to like bank off of her name or something and it wasn't like a real thing but after doing some digging it is a real thing there's a website like she has a website that you can look at and everything that has all of her work on it and stuff so the lost negative seems to be a project that she's doing it was this photographer that worked with avril very very early on when she was making her first album and she went on tour with her and did like that abc family documentary like i mentioned took some pictures behind the scenes of some of her music videos so I guess she's sitting on all this archived footage that for some reason was never used and she decided to assemble it all into a coffee table book. It's actually going to be a series of coffee table books. There's going to be, I think, three volumes. And so for right now, the first volume is the one that's coming out this fall. And for right now, it's very strange. Right now, all you can do is reserve a copy because there's going to be a very limited number of copies. It's limited to 5,000 copies. You have to go to her website to like reserve a copy and it doesn't have any price or anything because I was like kind of debating back and forth. I'm like, well, it would be a really cool thing to have but I don't know how much this is going to be like for all I know it could be like 50 bucks or 100 bucks or something I don't know so I'm kind of hesitant to reserve a copy not knowing how much it's going to cost so that's my only kind of hesitation with it in general, I think it seems like a really cool project and a really cool thing to have for if you're a really, really diehard fan and you, especially if you're a collector, this is like a very rare item that, you, you know, you can't buy this in a store. You can't order it off of Amazon or something. This is a very, very exclusive, very limited thing. So it definitely is very, very interesting. I'm really interested to see, like, hopefully maybe somebody might post at least a few of the photos just so we can see. There are a few photos on the website that you can look at. You can see a few examples of the photos that are in the book, and they're definitely ones that we've never seen before. And these really kind of cool, intimate, raw moments of Avril behind the scenes. I just think things like that are so cool because it's not staged and it's not posed. It's not like overly, it's not overly thought out or anything. It's just kind of capturing the moment as it happens and that I feel like I feel like that's what Avril was about in the Leco era was kind of just like living life and just living in the moment and I think it'll be really interesting to get to see those photos. The next thing that we have to talk about is Avril finally singing Avalanche because we haven't heard that many songs live off of the Love Sucks album. And I know Avalanche was like the one that all the fans have wanted to hear. So the fans in Brazil organized a campaign, like maybe if we get Avalanche charting on iTunes that she'll notice and she'll perform it. So I do know Matson tweeted about it and he probably kind of notified her or somebody on her team might have kind of alerted her like, hey, the fans are doing this. Maybe you should perform this. So she finally did sing Avalanche, but not just Avalanche. At a concert, but she also did it at Rock and Rio, which I think was really cool because I wasn't expecting that, honestly. 
I thought maybe at best she would just like acknowledge that the fans did it or that she would perform it at that one concert, but you know, stick to her regular set at Rock and Rio. So it's really cool that for such a big event like that, especially one that was being professionally recorded and live streamed, that she did that performance so that we kind of like always have it. And I thought she sounded great on it. And I hope that she considers keeping it like permanently on the set list because clearly it goes over so well with the fans, like all the fans love it. And I feel like it's a nice change of pace from just hearing the hits all the time. Her set at Rock and Rio in general, like I, I watched the live stream of it and I just thought it was excellent all the way through. Like her voice was so on point and you could tell that she really gave it her all like energy wise, vocal wise. She really gave it her best to like make sure she was hitting all those notes and stuff. And it's just such a nice treat for us to have like especially that was her first time ever performing at Rock and Rio and I know that people were very very excited about it and to have a professionally recorded like HD performance of it and stuff just something that we can always go back to is such a nice treat for the fans also speaking of great performances her performance at the ACM honors we had known about it ahead of time but it finally actually aired on television and I watched it live as it was on TV I sat through an hour and a half of performances just to be able to watch it even though I knew that it would be posted somewhere like the next day but I was like I really want to see it like live on TV well and then also too like sometimes with TV performances like that sometimes they cut out the introduction or what happens afterwards like sometimes they cut bits and pieces out of it when they post it online so I wanted to make sure that I had seen her introduction and then when she gave Shania her award and stuff I wanted to be able to see like the entire thing so she sounded absolutely phenomenal on the song she's getting rave reviews on this performance I mean even like I said from Shania herself even gave her the stamp of approval and when Avril posted about the event on her Instagram she kind of hinted like should I go country so a lot of people are kind of speculating that you know maybe she might have a duet coming up with Shania or maybe a country song or two in the future I think I talked about this in the previous episode but I would absolutely love to hear Avril go country like maybe not like super super country, like yeehaw country. But I think that country rock, she could definitely pull off for sure. And a lot of people tend to forget about the fact that she actually mentioned before the pandemic happened, I think before she was ever teaming up with Feldman and Mod Sun and May Love Sucks and thought about doing a pop punk album that she said she had written a bunch of country rock songs. And she also mentioned that the song Break of a Heartache was originally more country sounding before Feldman produced it. So I do think Avril's got some country in her. I don't think we'll see a country song or a country album from her just yet. I think that, you know, a lot of people are speculating perhaps for the next album, she might still be going with the pop punk thing. But I think after that, it's fair to say that country or country rock seems very much in the realm of possibilities, honestly. And speaking of this mysterious collaboration that was mentioned in general, like Avril mentioned when she was at the red carpet for her star ceremony on the Walk of Fame, she mentioned to a media outlet that she had a collaboration coming up that she couldn't really say anything more than that coming out in a couple months. So I think the first thing that people thought of was Taylor Swift because Taylor has an album coming out in October, which would kind of add up with the timeline. And Taylor's album is speculated to be either pop or maybe soft rock. And so a lot of people were thinking that Avril would be perfect for that. And they do know each other. They've always been pretty supportive of each other. And Taylor like sent flowers to Avril when she released Love Sucks. And so clearly Taylor is a fan of this kind of music. And so a lot of people think that a collaboration between them is very, very possible on this new album. But then there were also some other names thrown into the mix, like Youngblood. Like we know that they had collaborated together quite some time ago. 
but their collaboration still has never seen the light of day. And so a lot of people are thinking that maybe this is finally it. And then, of course, the other name that's been tossed around is Shania because obviously they have such a obvious connection. And like Avril attended one of Shania's concerts recently. And then, of course, this ACM Honors event. So they've been kind of hanging out with each other quite a bit recently as well. I know that a lot of people think it might be Modson, either their song together called California or Modson mentioned that he had a collaboration with her coming up on like his next project or whatever. So a lot of people think it could also be Modson. But I really don't think I think if it were, I really don't think that she would be saying like, I can't talk about it too much. Like, I don't think that she would be that way when it's her fiance. So to me, even though I think it's safe to say that they have a collaboration probably coming out pretty soon, I don't think that this is the one that she's referring to. As for me personally, like what I think, I do think that Youngblood is probably the most likely possibility. However, I would not be upset at all if it were Taylor because I'm a huge Taylor fan, as I've mentioned before on the podcast. I would also be down for a collaboration with Shania. I think that would be really, really awesome considering their connection and like the fact that Avril sang with her all those years ago and then to have a collaboration with her would be such a full circle moment. So if it's Taylor or Shania, I'll be perfectly happy with that. So as for what's next, Avril is going to be heading to the Firefly Music Festival this month, followed by the iHeartRadio Festival. And then, of course, at the end of the month, it's going to be her birthday. Otherwise, that's all for now. So we conclude this edition of the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you can be the first to know when a new episode drops. And don't forget to leave a rating or review as well. We're currently streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Audible. Join me again next time on the Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast. The Best Damn Avril Lavigne podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by Andre DeFrancesco. Theme music is HD and Lights by J. Powell Flicks. Follow the latest podcast news on Instagram at Best Damn Avril Pod or email Best Damn Avril Pod at yahoo.com.